This Good Friday, we are going to finish our Beatitude series, and it, it ties in really beautifully, really. But once again, we're just going to read this portion of Scripture from Matthew chapter 5, and then we'll dig into the final Beatitude. So Jesus, seeing the crowds, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so the truth is that as followers of Christ, nowadays we sit in the minority in our nation, in our school or our workplace, maybe even in our families and our friendship groups, we sit in the, in the minority. And our eighth and final beatitude is blessed are those who are persecuted for, their, for righteousness sake. And that doesn't sound like a place where we would find blessing, does it? Being persecuted. But it's the truth of what it looks like to follow Jesus, to call ourselves followers of Christ, that actually we can expect persecution. I'm sorry if that's coming as a surprise to you this morning. But when you accept Jesus into your life, it's, in, it's an inevitability that persecution will come. And we see that in the life of Jesus, don't we? That actually people flock to him. People flock to him. The Beatitudes he's preaching as part of the Sermon on the Mount and he's preaching to a crowd. Crowds of people gathered around him. They adored him. But then in the same breath, there were a whole bunch of people who were against him. And ultimately it was them that led to his death. And I like this, this final beatitude. It's the only beatitude that goes beyond that one statement. It goes a little bit further. It gives us a little bit more information. It gives us a little bit more insight about what it's trying to teach us. And this final kind of follow-up line shows us that the persecution that Jesus is talking about is not just about physical persecution. He's, he goes on to say, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. What he's saying is that when you call yourself followers of Christ, people will mock you. They'll lie about you. They'll say all kinds of evil and nasty things about you. The persecution that we as followers of Christ will experience comes in all different forms. And Jesus faced it all, didn't he? He was accused of being filled with Satan and operating in the, the realm of darkness. Even Jesus' family at one point didn't believe who he was. And it wasn't just one or two that were pushing for his crucifixion. There were crowds of people shouting for his death. And yet he says, 
in John 15, 20. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And last week I spoke about grace and truth and how those two things need to go hand in hand when we're, when we're bringing life into people's light, into people's life. And I think sometimes as Christians, not always, but sometimes as followers of Christ, we can go in all guns blazing with the truth, but forget about the grace and forget about the sensitivity. And then when the kickback comes, we call that persecution. But that's not persecution for the sake of righteousness, which is what this beatitude says. That is persecution because we're being idiots. We've got to go with grace and with truth. And this final beatitude, it's about persecution that comes from righteousness, that comes from living like Jesus, that comes because we're living out the first seven beatitudes in our life. But we might ask ourselves, why would someone want to persecute us if we're living like Jesus? Because Jesus was love, joy, peace. He was all of that goodness. Why would that result in persecution? Why on earth would anyone want to persecute us because we're living like that? But the the truth is that Jesus' righteousness highlights within us and those around us our very wrongness. His righteousness highlights our wrongness. In John 3 verse 20 it says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. And so this journey that we've been going on throughout the Beatitudes these past few weeks is not a journey for us to become nicer. It's about us becoming more like Jesus. And whilst there is something incredibly attractive about Jesus and about us living and loving like him, there's also something deeply challenging something deeply challenging. And a consequence of living out the Beatitudes is that we'll find ourselves being persecuted, which is why he ends with this statement. We find ourselves being persecuted because of our behaviours, because of our Christ-likeness. Because when we're living out like that, it will highlight the wrongness in other people's lives. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 says, Indeed, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's inevitable that when we follow the way of Christ, when we try to look more like him each day, persecution is sure to follow. That is just what will happen. That is how things work. And I think this can be a real challenge to live out in our lives. And if I'm honest, for me, it's probably a lot easier than for many of you because I find myself right now in quite a Christian bubble. And most of the things that I do are with other believers. And so I'm almost in a safe space. But for those of you who are at school, college, work, and you're living out this Christ-likeness in those environments where you are the minority as followers of Christ, you will find that persecution comes. And that will be a challenge for you to live out. And you may find that people begin to say nasty things about you. That people begin to lie about you. 
that maybe people begin to mock you because of the, the difference in your behaviours and in your attitudes. Because what happens is when we're living out our Christ-likeness, when we're living out the, the principles from the first seven Beatitudes, it will highlight in other people the areas in which they are lacking. Do you know anyone that's, that's really kind of strong in one area? Maybe you know a, a parent who just seems to have a calmness about them that just goes beyond anything in our human capacity. And you're out with them and their children are going absolutely mental and they're smashing things and shouting and destroying things. And instead of, you know, bringing them down and smacking them or whatever it might be, they're just super calm and just, it's okay, come on. And then you're over here as a parent just thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm just feeling so bad about myself because I don't have this level of peace and calm and patience. And I think that's what can happen when we live out our Christ-likeness, when we live out a life that is different to the world, that actually they can look at us and begin to feel a little bit bad about themselves. They might not acknowledge that that's what's going on inside, but they begin to feel some emotions that makes them get a little bit uncomfortable. And that is because our Christ-likeness is highlighting in them their wrongness. Ruth and I got married 15 years ago, just over. And when we got married on our wedding day, we said vows to one another. We made promises to one another. We made commitments to each other for the rest of our lives, for better and for worse. So the saying goes, when times are good and when times are bad. And at the beginning of our marriage, that one big yes that we said on a platform in front of all of our friends and our family, that wasn't the only yes that we would say in our lives. That was the first of hundreds, if not thousands, of yeses that we would say to each other, no matter what happened in our lives, no matter whether the times are great or whether the times are terrible, that we made a commitment that we would stick together through it all. And why is that how it, we live? Because we fell in love with each other. And that's the way it is with us and Jesus. Because when we said yes to him, when we invited him into our lives, and we said, you be the Lord and the saviour of my, you take control, you take the lead. We said yes to him. But that wasn't the only yes. We then have to say yes again and again. Yes, I will still follow you in the face of persecution. Yes, I will still follow you when times are hard. Yes, I'll still follow you when I am on the mountaintop and I am praising you. I will follow you through it all. Why? Because we love him. And we love him because he first loved us. We know that verse, don't we, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He first loved us. He did it. He sent his son. He made that sacrifice because he loves us. Jesus gave it all. He suffered it all because he loves us. And so when we face persecution in our own lives, whether that be lies about us or mocking or ridicule, when we're facing all of that kind of stuff, we get to say, Jesus, you suffered the ultimate persecution. You suffered physical, mental, emotional, spiritual torture. Why? 
because you love us. And so whatever I come against, it's nothing in comparison to what you went through. And so no matter what gets thrown at me, no matter what persecution I might face in my own life, I will go through it because I love you. The Bible says that we will be persecuted. It's a promise, essentially. We will be persecuted. And it probably won't look like being nailed to a cross, thank goodness. But it will come in all kinds of forms, in one way or another. Scripture tells us that we'll be hated all over the world because we follow Jesus. That's the reality of being a follower of Christ, that we will be hated. But do you know what? We don't need to face it alone. We don't need to go through it on our own. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because of his love for God. But he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone. An angel came and shut the mouths of the lions. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were thrown into a blazing furnace because of their love for God. But they weren't there alone. When the king looked in, he saw four people and not three because God was with them. Paul and Silas chained up in prison because of their love for God. They weren't alone. They weren't alone in the middle of the night when they chose to praise and worship God in spite of their persecution, in spite of their suffering, the chains fell off. They weren't alone. None of them were alone. And Jesus, before going to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying to his heavenly Father, wrestling with anxiety about what he was about to face, he wasn't alone. Scriptures tell us that an angel came and comforted him in that moment and strengthened him. And he chose to go to the cross. He could have decided not to, but he chose to go to the cross because of his love for God. And he wasn't alone. Persecution will come, but we can stand on that promise that we are not alone, that our God is with us. Paul said, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Why could he say that with such confidence? Because God was with him. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it goes on, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. And that is the promise that as we've learned over the past few weeks, all of these, these principles and characteristics and attitudes that we should be working towards as followers of Christ, these beatitudes that we should be living out, knowing the promise of that we will feel blessed, that we will feel that internal joy when we live out that life, an internal joy that goes beyond any of our external circumstances, 
that actually the culmination of that is that we will be reviled, that people will say wrong things about us, that we will face persecution in one way or another. But we can face it. We can go through it. We can make it because God is with us every step of the way. God is with us through it all. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what you come up against, whether that's right now or some point in the future, we can stand firm on the promise that our God is with us and we can go through it. We can walk through it because we love him and he loves us. Let's pray. So God, we just thank you so much for this promise that you are with us. Though it might be a little bit daunting and a little bit scary that we're going to face persecution in one way or another, that we can take comfort knowing that you are with us through it all. That we can take comfort knowing that you have been through it all yourself. That Jesus, you faced persecution to the extreme. And I thank you, God, that we won't have to go through that pain, that torture, that suffering. But God, we will face persecution in one way or another. And I pray you'll give us the strength to face it, the strength to get through it, the strength to keep our eyes fixed on you. And so God, I pray that as we've gone through this Beatitude series, that you will change us from the inside out, that you will transform us more and more into your likeness, that we will become Christ-like in our attitudes, in our words, in our actions, in our thought life. Holy Spirit, would you come into us now? Renew that zeal and that passion for you and fix our eyes on our Heavenly Father, the author and the perfecter of our faith so that we can live out this life that you're calling us to so that we can walk through it all, no matter what may come at us, because of our love for you. In Jesus' name.